Go within to find the answers you seek. connected to everything and everyone, and everything we write, think, and do affects another. Everything. I'm Elaine Marie Sharp. I have been a professional writer since 1980, and through my website at writelighter.com, I inspire writers not only to find their creative flow, but to use their words to encourage wellness, peace, and positivity to help elevate the vibration of the planet. This is the Write Letters Radio Show, celebrating conscious writers whose intention is to promote positive change through the written word. My guest today is Marie Lukasik-Wallace, who will talk about her work as a writer and humanitarian, as well as an exciting worldwide collaboration called Poets for Peace. Marie will also read her thought-provoking poem, Rockabye. Marie Lukasik-Wallace lives in Boise, Idaho, where she is a writing workshop facilitator and retired elementary school teacher. She has been writing since she was a teenager during a dark period when she was trying to make sense of the world. Now that she is an adult, I asked Marie why it is so important that she continues to write. There are like so many reasons to write, to know what I'm thinking about, because sometimes It feels like I'm confused, so I'll sit and I'll write. Um, Sometimes it's to get the ugly out. Sometimes I just need to organize my thinking. Sometimes it's just to express love and wonder and the joys that I see in the world, just making little discoveries. It gives me the opportunity to, to be a scientist and a discoverer and a a romantic person. And it also creates change. I I think it's one thing I've discovered about writing is that you can use it to change the channel. So when things are ugly, either inside or out in your world, you can change the channel with words. I, I think it's a powerful tool for change. Speaking of change, the author James Baldwin said, You write in order to change the world, knowing perfectly well that you probably can't, but also knowing that literature is indispensable to the world. The world changes according to the way people see it, and if you alter, even by a millimeter, the way people look at reality, then you can change it. When did you first begin to realize that your words could be transformative? I get so excited about that because feeling like you can change something even in a millimeter is exciting to me. Uh, When I started poetry therapy, 
I felt that it enlightened me quite a bit about how we can change the channel in things. I would witness how the way that poetry therapy works is basically you use a poem to discuss things and we would be discussing that and we kind of write out the darkness and then we would introduce material that would be a little bit more enlightening or just a little shift and to watch people move, you know, actually feel that energy shift in the room um, was very enlightening is one thing, but it, it, it was just a beautiful thing to witness how the power of words could just make even a small change in people and to watch them leave with hope, with, um, grace with acceptance of even, you know, the negative things that have happened in their lives and that when things are bad or get whacked out or, um, we can always change the channel and, and notice our blessings. When I was interviewing my dad, the last year of his life, we had been doing these daily discussions and I had been writing his story. And he said, you know, thank you very much. You gave me my life back. And witnessing that in someone who was a very closed person just really showed how power of words matter. They do matter. And we have to understand that words have the power to either build people up or break them down. You know, when I was a child, I was given some very bad advice about words, and you probably did too. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How do you feel when you hear that? I think it's the most horrible statement in, that was ever written in the world. I, I think words matter. You know, I feel that if I broke my bone, I could mend it and it'd be pretty close to to new. But I um, know that, that you can't take words back. When I was teaching first grade, I would do a demo every year where I had a kid who would take out the toothpaste. I'd give him a tube of toothpaste and I'd say, squeeze it all out. And then I would say, now, now try to push that back in. And I use that as an example that you squeeze all those words out without any filters or thinking or anything, and you can't take them back. You, you can't undo them. And, and the damage that they can cause are astronomical. You just can't take them back. I agree. You know, the great peacemaker Mahatma Gandhi said, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. And that's a quote we've heard over and over again. For writers who want to create positive change, how important do you think it is for us to know ourselves first? I don't know that we ever really know ourselves. I think it's a journey of as we evolve and learn, I think writing helps us get in touch with who we are and, and how we think. But I don't know that it's a necessary thing because I, I feel that we're always learning and growing and evolving. So I don't know that we ever really know ourselves and, and why wait, right? If we're going to be a positive change, you know, if we wait until we know ourselves, then we're not in action. That's right. 
Besides being an accomplished writer and poet, Marie, you are also a devoted humanitarian who travels to India and Africa to help make a difference. You have been a speaker at an economic forum talking about healing through the arts. You have distributed food and health supplies. What makes you so passionate about this work? I fell in love with people in general, and I I know that there's a disparity that I feel sometimes is almost impossible to to really have an effect. But when I went to India and we gave some health things out, I just saw the gratitude for some people who we're just so thankful for having shampoo and soap and things that we take for granted. And it just stirred something in me to see that. And and little things, going to school and education um, in Africa, the humanitarian work that we're going to do is to buy a cow. And that cow that we buy from their farmer, it helps the farmer. And then we bring it to a school and then the school has... Um, milk for a year. And to me, as a teacher, of course, and an educator, it's exciting to know that I can make a small difference for a group of people. And hopefully others will follow your lead. Marie, you have written about flowers, children, dying, grief, alcoholism, and Alzheimer's. Is there any subject matter that you are not compelled to write about? I don't believe in censorship, you know, even for myself. I mean, there are probably some topics that I don't uh, naturally gravitate to, but I want to make sure that I don't box myself in to not thinking about any subject matter so that I can get closer to the truth. So for me, truth really matters. So if I censor myself on exploring those truths, then I won't get to dig deep enough to get find out what is true for me. While there's some things that I don't naturally gravitate to, I don't think I would censor myself to not talk about anything. Sometimes writing the truth is very painful, but you say that truth really matters. As writers, how do we find the courage to write the truth while building trust with our readers? (laughs) That is a very delicate balance. Um, I think the best way is to be real and honest and even vulnerable as possible so that when people are listening to your work, they know the why. Knowing the why I'm speaking the way I am sometimes allows people to understand my work a little bit better. I just think it's just a balance all the time of just making sure I'm as real and honest as possible. So while you are being as real and honest as possible, what has been your biggest obstacle? For me, laying down the truth and doing it in a way that doesn't hurt someone or hurt as little as possible. Um, Right now I'm working on a book that was a collaboration with my father. And there were a lot of very negative things. And to tell the whole story, you have to tell the negative and the positive. And 
to do that in a way that is honoring to people and laying out the story of overcoming, sometimes it's a little painful. And I think the balance of telling the story and being sensitive to the people involved in the stories is probably the biggest obstacle for me. Marie, your writing has been featured in anthologies like Slices of Life and Heart Whispers. You believe in the art of collaboration. I think that's evident. So in unity, there is strength. Is that what you believe? I do. I've been blessed to have several collaborations in my life. Um, My husband teases me and says it's kind of like a drug for me. Because collaboration brings out the strengths of each individual, and then that collective bringing each individual's strengths to to the forefront just makes everyone stronger as a whole. Through the Poets for Peace project, I felt that everyone brought their best foot forward and got to look at a, a topic from lots of lenses. And for me, what's cool about that is I may um, challenge my own thinking. I might see something from a, a different way. And it doesn't matter if I agree or disagree. I just feel that collaboration just allows you to see things from lots of different ex- perspectives and also build on each other's strengths. Well, recently you've been involved in another exciting collaboration, and that is Poets for Peace. Tell us about this project. I had a friend, Michael. He's from the Poetry Channel, and he's a blogging friend of mine as well as a writing friend. And we share a lot of writing and our viewpoints of each other's work. And he introduced me to the idea of the project because he wanted to respond to some of the um, horrific violent events that were going on in the United States and about um, the killing of black men by police. And it seemed to be quite a few events occurring in a row. And then when there was a peaceful protest organized to demonstrate against these officer shooting or these shootings of black men, they shot the police officers who were in support of this demonstration and were trying to protect the demonstrators. It'd be kind of became the last straw. And he wanted to take a stand and make a difference, and which is what us poets feel strongly about. And the whole U.S. seemed to be in a state of unrest. And there's a quote by a man named Edmund Burke, who was a statesman and an author, who said that the only thing needed for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. And he didn't want to be one of those people who do nothing and wondered if it was a good idea. And we writers know that there's so much power in words, and we wanted to make our voices louder than those that were um, being negative. So he had the idea to talk to a friend of ours named Neha at Forgotten Meadows, who does quite a few collaborations, and she's really good at getting people engaged. And so she posted it on her blog so that people had a place to land and have their voices heard. And what was cool about that was there were lots of different viewpoints and lots of different approaches to the same topic. And you could just hear the minds and the hearts 
of the people that were affected by all that was going on and whether their response was hope or anger or frustration. They All the voices were heard and it kind of exploded and became bigger than we all ever thought. Um, and the geeky part of me really liked seeing the different presentations of poetry. So that was interesting to go back and read and follow those different contributions. And when it exploded and we got over 200, there was a lady named Laura Kaminsky who does a Praxis Online magazine. She approached Michael about publishing our anthology in this magazine. So she asked us to go about getting permissions. So we got 99% of the people to give their permission and published it on the International Day of Peace on September 21st. And that was in collaboration with 100,000 Poets for Change. And it will be archived in the Stanford University Library. So that's super cool. It's promising to be an annual thing because it was so successful and it was such a great contribution to hear from that many poets. I can imagine. So what is it about writing poetry that makes your heart sing? There's a a writer named Lucy Calkins who does writing curriculum for teachers, and she calls it powerful words in tiny packages. And I think that what's wonderful about poetry is it can impact people very quickly. You can get to the point faster. And then it it just also is um, delicious. It makes these beautiful pictures in your brain. But going back to getting to the points faster, I think the only people that have difficulty with poetry are people who may have been exposed to the what does that mean and and having a specific meaning tied to a poem versus what's your experience of a poem. I just think if you can just sit down and see how a poem feels in you and how it resonates in you, that that's a way to experience poetry in a, in a more positive way. For me, I just think I just think it's delicious and I love hearing other people's voices. And I think with stories, it's not as quickly one on the point and two on the voice. I think poetry captures the human voice a little quicker. And since we're talking about the Peace Project, how can poets help the world think differently about peace and to take positive action? I think I love this question the most, because I think the most important thing that anyone can do is change the words in their own brain, right? It's, it's a way to think of a world, to be, to consciously think of things in a more positive way. And if peace begins with me, it first begins with me speaking my own thoughts and being, um, conscious about what's, what I say and even conscious about what I think. And so I just think that that starting with your own self, starting with your own brain, your own words, that you can make a difference. Absolutely. You know, I have never met a writer who didn't have a mentor or author that they admired, and I was delighted to learn that you and I both feel a kinship to the late author and poet Maya Angelou. 
She and I were both born in St. Louis, Missouri, and like you, I was introduced to her writing through her book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Since then, I have read many of her books, and I think her poem, Still I Rise, is just brilliant. But I have never written a poem that I dedicated to her, and I know that you did. So why was Maya Angelou such an inspiration to you? I just love watching her on TV, hearing her voice so eloquently, and knowing how she took some terrible, tragic things in her life and transformed them and used them to strengthen not only herself, but to empower and strengthen others, especially women. And going from having no voice, I think it was five years or so, to becoming a voice for the world. And she's, I think, a perfect example of taking in the divine and um, really listening to those messages and then speaking them out. I, I can't tell you how many quotes I've saved of hers where... <laughs> I've used them to inspire me. You're like, that is truth. And I can't remember this quote exactly, but I just remember her saying something like the most beautiful sound in the whole world is the human voice. And I'm like, I can relate to that. I love hearing people just speak their truth and to be empowered and to stand in and own who they are. And I think she's the perfect example of that. And she was peace. She always met adversity with peace. I agree. And one of her many pearls of wisdom was, doing right may not be expedient. It may not be profitable, but it is good for the soul. I read somewhere that one of the challenges of trying to manifest positive change is that change is never-ending. So we might be successful in making one change, but we have to continue making changes for it to have much impact. Do you think this is true? Uh, Yeah, I think that we have to constantly be learning and growing and evolving to be the best selves that we can be. And I feel that we're on this planet for that very reason, just to continue to grow and to learn as much as we possibly can. And then in turn, use that in a way that that helps others and, and helps the world. Absolutely. Marie, thank you for being my guest today. You are a brilliant light in the literary world, and I wish you so much success in all your conscious writing endeavors Before we close the show today with your reading of Rockabye, tell us what inspired you to write it and how it relates to the mission of Poets for Peace. I had been working with Michael and Neha and had written another poem. I just had woken up in the middle of the night and I felt compelled to write My Daughter is Having a Baby and um, it's the first one, the first grandchild in this particular family. And it just really meant a lot to me to say some things to this grandbaby. And at the time, I didn't know it was a he. Now I know it's a he. But this baby 
has the potential to be so much. And the first thing that you want to do as a mom and a grandmother is protect this child. So the poem was written to say, don't listen to all this negativity that's going on in the world. While it is going on and it's an integral part of your life, it doesn't mean that it's who you are. And so I wanted to highlight the things that that um, this baby has the potential to do and what difference that one little tiny creature can do for the whole world. And I guess the baby represents hope that no matter how small, no matter who we are, we have a way to make a difference in this world. Now, here is Marie Lukasik Wallace reading Rockabye. Rockabye. Rockabye, baby. When the wind blows, it brings messages of hate. Don't listen, my baby. Don't listen. Rockabye, baby. When the wind blows, it touches with dark shadows. Don't touch, my baby. Don't touch. Rockabye, baby. When the wind blows, it brings the taste of innocent blood spilled. Don't taste, my baby. Don't taste. Rockabye, baby. When the wind blows, it brings the sight of flags at half-mast. Acknowledge, but don't linger. Your gaze, my baby, don't linger. Please don't hold on to any of these images, because the real world isn't all this negativity and darkness. The real world is so much more than the feedback from the news or the people enamored with it. When the bow breaks, it is you, my baby, who will make the difference. It is you who can change it. Bring your sweetness, bring your joy, bring your positivity, and radiate your messages of love and hope out into the world. Be you, my baby, be you. Thank you, Marie. And listeners, if you would like to connect with Marie Lukasik Wallace, visit her websites at writingwings.com and mariesgold.com. That's all for this episode of Bright Lighters. Until next time, please be kind, love the planet, and choose your words carefully. Namaste. Namaste.